Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art. I like to paint monsters. And you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. What's up, Mike? Hey, Chet. How's it going? It's going all right. Better than it was this morning. I'm just, starting to recover now. Yeah. Monster Palooza kicked my ass, and I'm just, I can't, I don't recover as fast as I used to. Put, just put Did it that way. Did you keep your hand sanitizer there in your pocket so you could clean your hands? Always. We got Lisa and Sal to help with the booth, and they, or they do all the sales, and then they have a little hand sanitizer thing that hangs off the the bag where you keep the money <laughs> so nice. constantly, especially when you're eating and someone comes up and shakes your hand. As soon as they turn the corner, you got to get the hand sanitizer. Totally, dude. <laughs> I mean, the worst food poisoning I ever had, I actually uh, recorded uh, the, the story about it on my uh, podcast emails from infinity, but that was because I was working in a cash cage at a casino and I was eating pizza and I would always eat it down to the crust and not eat the crust. You know, that was my safe, right. safe way, you know, and I hang out in the cage. Cause if you leave the cage, the minute you leave the cage, what happens? Someone needs to be cashed out. So you're right. back in the cage. So I'm like, oh, I'll see my pizza. The one time I accidentally ate a piece of crust, I got the worst food poisoning I've ever gotten. Oh, really? I mean, just so brutal. It was that, it's that story in emails from infinity where I said that where I like died. I thought oh, I died. Right, you right, know? Yeah. And I like was being sucked into this like black hole within myself and it was crushing all the universes that make <laughs> me up. And I was like observing and feeling it simultaneously. Yeah. So use your hand sanitizer. Kid. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a bust for sure, but it was great. It was a great show. It was really crowded and did well there. Made a lot of sales and saw a lot of old friends it's always like a high school reunion when you go there because it's all the old effects people I used to work with. Right. And yeah, it was cool. It was cool, but it's right exhausting. On, exhausting. How about you? Uh, well, I mean, I've been working on Kickstarters for people, including Chris, who's on the show with us today, and also Steve Johnson for his Rubberhead projects. So I was on that all weekend and then running my Patreons and then irrigating because we've got the water now. So, uh, you know, we live in the desert and I do this, this uh, flood irrigation where we bring the water down from a mother ditch way up at the road. It was just like 400 year old dirt ditch that they've been using to reroute river water. And you have to create all your own ditch work. So you got to dig everything all the way down to your property and then have gates so that you can block it and have it spill over onto your property and flood it. So it's like a lot of labor, not just digging all the trenches out and getting everything all ready and cleaned up. But then when you're running the water, you have to like watch it and maintain it and move it and stuff with rakes and shovels. And so I did a lot of irrigating this weekend, which is a you know significant amount of labor. Yeah. So I'm a little bit out too, but for a different reason, obviously. Yeah. That was the Benny Hill music. I've been I've been wanting to put Benny Hill music to a time lapse for years. Every time I see a time lapse with no music, I always think of the Benny Hill thing because Benny Hill used to do the the fast speed little yeah yeah vignettes and then that music. So I finally got to do it. I made it through four minutes and 53 seconds of <laughs> Before the Benny Hill music. And, and then I just put it on mute and turned my Pandora back on. It's actually, it's actually, it. it's actually, I had to loop it twice. I, I saw the, I heard the loop. That was when I gave up because it came back up again. And I was like, okay, fuck this. I'll watch it, but I'm not listening to that anymore. The other thing is, is that it kind of breaks into like a, like almost like a carnival tune at one point. And Joy has a major aversion to the carnival tune, like to the point that like, it'll like, you know, make her feel like physically ill from some experience. <laughs> that she's had before so i would it kept coming on to that and i was like oh shit that's the carnival music i don't think i can let that fly in my house hold them to get in trouble <laughs> all right well let's 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 bring chris on here we yeah, so can hear him laughing in the background amazing writer and uh, he is creating a kickstarter right now and it's live and it's called twilight hotel and it's for an amazing comic book series that chet is in fact doing his first cover cover work for so chris welcome to the show Thank you. Thanks for having me, you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, our, our pleasure. Glad to have you. Um, so yeah, Chris uh, Witherspoon and I go way back, way, way, back. way, way back. I think. Wow. I think before I started working in the business, I think no, that's true. No, you, that's right. That's because right. You, you were you were like the first person, were one of the first people, maybe the first person I knew and worked with that 
actually worked at a shop because you worked at Stan Winston's, right? right? Oh, no, actually, at that time, I was over at uh, Makeup Effects Lab. Oh, okay. uh, John Beekler's MMI. That's where I started, uh, too. In the Valley. Yeah. Wow. It was amazing. (laughs) uh, Different shops were out there. I, I didn't know that's where everything was until I actually worked in the uh, industry. Right. Yeah, uh, we were kind of lucky just being in any part of LA. Right. You know, right. cause that's where all the shops were. And like, I was, it's like an hour away from us. Basically everything was, you know? Right. Right. No. And, um, I was like, cause it, like, I think one way, one direction you had Winston, you had makeup effects lab, MMI, you had uh, Baker, uh, was out there somewhere. Great I remember over there. Oh, right, mm-hmm. right, right. I used to go dumpster diving in yeah. <laughs> uh, behind Winston's when I was, before I even got a job in the industry. I would go back nice. there and go, you know, me and Brett Arnold. Uh, and I think you remember Brett because mm-hmm. Brett's yeah. the one who um, uh, introduced me to you. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. like, yeah. How did we Torrance. how did we hook up? Because I don't even remember at all how we got. Yeah, together. I was. Well, I was I met Brett and uh, at a. Um, Fangora convention mm-hmm. uh, down at LAX at a, uh, one of the hotels. I think it was a Hilton. And anyhow, so uh, it was the same year where I, I met Rob Bodden for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and who else was out there? Uh, I met John Beekler and a whole bunch of people. And I met Brett, you know, Brett's, um, I think he, uh, I don't know if he went to school with you or how he knew you, but he told me about you. He was like, man, there's this guy, Chet Czar, you know, he's, you know, he's young, a little younger. Uh, I was like than, 16 or 17 yeah, or something. And he said, you got us. He's incredible. And, you know, and at that time, you know, you know, I, I was kind of feeling myself and I was like, man, I'm a, you know, I'm a great artist. I'm going to be the next Rick Baker. I'll, I'll meet, I'll <laughs> Your sculptures were great. Your sculptures were fucking really good. I mean, I, I, I do think sometimes, God, I wish I really had stayed into sculpting. Uh, you know, what would I be like now had right. I done it? But, um, you know, Brett, when he told me about you, uh, I said, okay, I'll go and meet this kid. And I go <laughs> over to your house. And I think the, and that's when I saw your stuff. Some of the first stuff you did, I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> this guy's the real deal. <laughs> kinda, I mean, it made me kind of go, God, what else can I do with my life? Now, <laughs> I thought I, when no. you meet the real thing, man, you know. No, I thought your stuff was uh-huh. amazing. I remember you had this one crazy sculpture. I, it was I don't remember what it was, but it was a really weird mutant kind of thing, and I just thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. So I was like, I definitely picked up a lot. I learned a lot of sculpting from just uh, seeing seeing the way you were sculpting. I actually did a funny thing is I did a. Um, a sculpture after that, after working with you, using some of your techniques, the way you used to roll these little worms up, I think, and press right, them down. Right. And I sent it to Dick Smith, and he wrote me, I have the letter somewhere around here. He wrote me back, and he's like, yeah, your sculpture was really, I forgot what he said, very delicate and uh, wrinkles and this and that. Tell me, <laughs> tell me how you did those effects. Like, he totally asked me about this technique uh-huh. I got from you, which right. is really cool. Right. Well, I, 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 there's been a few guys who, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not kidding when I, I was totally impressed with you and what you were, um, where you were at at that point in at, you know, cause I just, you know, when you meet somebody and you know, they got it, they got it. I, there's another sculptor, Mitch Devane. I don't know if you remember oh, Mitch, Mitch is one of my best okay. bi- uh, I got effects friends. Same thing. When I saw yeah, Mitch's, Mitch's work, I was incredible. like, what? the hell how do these guys do this and so it's rare you know it's every now and then you know you you would run into somebody and their work just blew you away but yeah that was great man we were kids i you remember we um we were doing when i met you um i i had you come out and and help on this uh little short film i was doing Mm -hmm. and we shot it at usc at the um one of their sound stages there at uh university of southern california and we made the sets. We loved the sets down there on a flatbed. And uh, it was crazy, man. You know, we thought we were making an epic. And uh, <laughs> we're just these kids, you know. And, you know, uh, and, and in retrospect, I think about the set we made. You know, the wood was way too heavy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we were bouncing all around. You guys were climbing. You guys were zombies. It was like during a... Um, I can't. I don't even remember the name of the uh, the short, but it was about a guy who was 
in a um, a facility to stop smoking, right? Uh-huh. So he was having all of they were subjecting him to all these hallucinations and things to get him to stop. And there was the one episode uh, where this ball rolls into the room and he's staring at it. And uh, out of nowhere, I mean, like I said, it made no sense. The, a window appears and all these on, and he, he has a way to get out and escape. Right. And as he go tries to go through the window, that's when he's attacked by these zombies. Right. It was just an excuse to have yeah. zombies. You know? <laughs> I, rem- I remember <laughs> driving home in a zombie prosthetic, I think, at like <laughs> five in the morning or in something. Morning, right. <laughs> just to have all the sticky shit in your face. You know, um, one, one funny thing, this funny, just weird little a- anecdote uh, uh, from, from when I was at your house, when we were building whatever we were building, I don't really remember. Uh-huh. But... Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first time I ever drank a beer and it was delicious. No, no, no. I had, I'd had, I tasted beer before and I always thought it was terrible. And you and we were all busting our asses oh and it was hot. And then you guys right. brought out these cold beers and I right. drank it. And I was like, oh, that's what beer is all about. It's delicious. <laughs> I did not know that. That was hilarious. Chet's yeah. first experience yeah. drinking beer. It was so good. It, t- it, it just tasted. It's not like I got drunk or anything. It just tasted delicious because yeah. I was. it was just the perfect time to have a beer. And you know what was really interesting? See, I um, I lived in uh, Compton. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is the eighties, right. the rough eighties. I know, I know. I came uh, to your, and, <laughs> I came to your house, and, and I was like, damn. Right. <laughs> so we would have like you know Chet and you know Brett, and Brett's like this six foot four redhead, yeah. uh, white cat <laughs> over here in the hood, <laughs> and. But it was cool. I mean, you know, they, the guys would come over. Everybody would be fascinated with what we were yeah, doing over yeah. here. But uh, it was it was a fun time, man. Yeah, it yeah, fun. it was great. It was great. I remember. But yeah, I didn't know that was your first beer. Man. That was <laughs> it was my. It was the first time I drank a beer and enjoyed it. I think you know I, I had tasted it before and thought it was terrible. But it was. I like, can relate wow. to. I can relate to that beer thing though, because I remember when being a kid and drinking beer just because I wanted to get drunk, but I didn't like it at all. And then I remember many years later in college, like someone introduced me to it was Black Butte. Actually, it was that oh, wow. Shoots yeah. Brewery, and they and right. I never liked dark beer. I liked right. it as light and crappy and pissy as you could get mm-hmm. it because I was just going for the alcohol. And I, I think it was like I accidentally took a drink of it. It was like, dude, this is really good. And I didn't even know what, that it was dark beer or anything. And then I've been hooked ever since. Like, all I want to do is drink like really dark B vitamin beer. You yeah, know? That's all it takes. <laughs> I mean, I lived in Oregon for in Portland for a long time. So, you know, that's like micro brew central mm-hmm. up there. And we would just go to, um, they have these brew fests down at the waterfront where they would pull in these tractor trailers. And they had taps on the side. You know, mm-hmm. and so you got these long tractor trailers and lines of people. You get these tokens and you go up and you get a like basically a shot of beer. But man, after about, you know, 10 different shots of <laughs> these different beers, you would be wasted. They go around with a little black marker and they mark your hand if you were cut off. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> You start acting a fool. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I mean, living here in the different types of beers, you would go, I'm going to have to try at least taste every beer here. Yeah. And you got like over 200 different beers, you know. <laughs> that but, can't end uh, well. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, how did, so, uh, okay, we kind of lost touch after that film. What what did right. you go on to do? What, 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 what uh, happened with your life after that? Because well, I know you've I started, had some crazy experiences, you know, with your film and your distri- yeah. distribution, and that's oh, kind of yeah. why you're turning to Kickstarter again to start your own thing, like we all should. Right? Yeah. No. I after that, you know, I worked. Um, I ended up. I worked in effect for a while, mm-hmm. but then I wanted to because before I even did effects, I used to shoot all my little Super Eight movies and yeah. stuff, and I used to like creating, directing and writing right so ultimately this was around the time that because i was working with uh robert kurtzman and oh. howard Berger, oh, wow. and those yeah they were just branching out they had gotten uh i think city slickers mm-hmm. was the first film they did that calf birth. right yeah that's k and b who's now does K&B, the walking right. walking dead you know so they got big they, time they shot they shot city slickers just 30 minutes away from here <laughs> oh really part, part of <laughs> Yeah, there's a part of the old set is still over there at Ghost wow. Ranch, one of the cabins. So you can go in it and stuff. Oh, it's pretty true. cool. Yeah, so um, I uh, um, 
I around that time, you know, uh, uh, Bob and um, Howard, and they, you know, they were leaving, and uh, it was a great idea what they did. You know, they basically pooled their portfolio together mm-hmm. and bid it, underbid it, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, everybody out there, which smart, and um, you know, and they got they they got attention for that. And around that time, I decided to go into production. Working, uh, ended up working as a uh, production uh, accountant, a production coordinator over at Republic Pictures, Mm -hmm. uh, working on a slew of horrible TV movies Mm -hmm. with them. Uh, So I was just working in uh, production, um, worked on a ton of films, and then I branched out and started doing music videos, Mm. which was cool. I had a lot of fun with that. Um, and then ultimately, you know, I want to make, you know, feature films. Um, and I made this one small film, uh, called middleman, mm. uh, for like no money. I mean, just every weekend just got with some guys, let's do a movie. And, uh, obviously the continuity is the worst thing in it because, you know, <laughs> guys don't have a beard one shot, you know, because <laughs> we shot it like a month later. Yeah. Um, so we did that little film and, uh, it, you know, just messing around and, and it was cool. I mean, you know, it got some play, uh, on the festival circuit, a little time went by, I wanted to do something else. And, uh, I was offered some things to do with, you know, some small, uh, uh, studios to do, but they were always the wrong. I mean, it wasn't what I, I didn't comedies. They wanted me right. to do comedies or I don't, I, I love horror films. Right. I love, you know, that's what I love, man. And so I never took anything. And then so I decided, okay, um, I was able to get um, some guys to back Rage, which actually still wasn't a a horror film. It's like a suspense thriller. Mm -hmm. But um, so we did that. And kind of the the main goal was to produce it uh, and then try to get someone to back a bigger version. Okay. Yeah. So what was the budget? What was your budget? Uh, honestly, <laughs> uh, we spent <laughs> under sixty thousand dollars. Wow, amazing! Wow, under sixty k. And you know, we had, we got a lot of favors from people mm-hmm. and worked out some things. But in terms of real cash, it was probably sixty sixty k. That's amazing. And we um, and it actually started doing well. It, it got picked up at a lot of fest uh, festivals around the world. It played all over the place. Um, we got really great reviews from. A lot of the uh, gatekeepers of the genre, um, and that you know, so so that was neat. And then we actually got picked up for distribution by uh, Industry Works um, in Canada to do the international. And Lionsgate picked up the domestic, and that's where I was telling you, you know, we had um, fallen out with them mm. about their plans or lack thereof to distribute it, uh, which was you know just shocking. I mean, we were we had. We were we were hoping to get involved with Lionsgate just because of you know their names and 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 uh, you know the, the uh, relationship with independent filmmakers and stuff and they did basically what they said they would not do which is they basically shelved it and that's where it sits right now and we're tied up in an extremely long uh, deal with them so okay. um, and I just kind of you know it was just so disheartening I just kind of walked away from it all together and just kind of start doing the, my photography because I do a lot of photography. Mm-hmm. And so I was in Oregon uh, with my kids and just doing photography. Uh, and I thought, okay, given the chance, I'll go back, but I'm not going to do it until I know that I, I just can't be in another situation. Like I know I, I like with you, Chet, when you stepped away from doing effects mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, I know the politics of it was a, a big deal. Right. And that was one of you. And it, it, it's just amazing to me that um, how many people get in the way of actually doing something that's good. Often they're often they're doing things to make it bad and they don't yeah. even know the difference between bad and good. They don't. You know what I they mean? Don't. And they don't they leave don't it up to the people who know what good is, you know. Right. And that's why Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood's record in terms of uh, product 
It's horrible. Oh, I mean, in think terms of, of, I know. I think about that all the time. All the bad horrible. movies. Oh my god! It's got to well, be everything like, you guys. Everything you guys are talking about is all the reason why when I came out of college, I was like, "There's no way I'm going to go and hustle myself yeah. out to yeah, that industry." Yeah. I was like, "No," because they're just going to. It's clear what they're doing, you, and yeah. so I don't want to be any. I don't want anything to do with that. You know, it's got to be like one percent of movies are good or something yeah, like exactly. that. Seriously, well, yeah, there's eras. You know, there's like sets of years where like yeah. there's a little bit. That, like yeah, but, for instance, during the Clinton administration. Administration, and I hate to say it, but politics have a lot to do with the economy, and the economy has a lot to do oh, with yeah. the film industry. Yeah. There were so many good movies coming out in the late nineties that never you never see the light of day in this wow. year. The seventies, man, the seventies. Oh yeah, films, but that's like the burgeoning field of film, really. Right. You know, when it all started right. breaking, it was like the, open. Gold, the golden era. But anyway, so I do think that it's going to get better, but unfortunately, I mean the 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 um, uh, the the technology, the change in the technology, um, digital age has even the playing field a little mm -hmm. bit in terms of because, you know, in the 80s, Chet, you know, unless you had access to money, unless you, you know, your right. family was super rich or your uncle was already in the industry to get the money that's necessary to produce something is incredible. I mean, film alone, a roll of 16 millimeter film, like what we were doing on that short film was like four hundred dollars yeah crazy. you know it's insane how many minutes of footage even you know it's like right let's like you let it, like three or six minutes yeah right 11 11, you say, 11 minutes yeah exactly. minutes and then you're probably gonna how much is that gonna be usable footage right right, um, right exactly but now things have changed it is even a playing field where people have access to uh, actually be able to shoot and edit for you know almost nothing yeah but unfortunately that access is also being given to a lot of people who don't know what they're doing mm -hmm. uh who really don't um uh really understand and I'm, I'm not trying to be on a high horse about it because i'm always learning that's my kind of position on it but there's some people who make movies because they saw movies right and they really haven't investigated the film and or or, or talk to the um or read what the makers of the film what like the writer you know right. the subtext most people don't even understand subtext and the right. subtext in a movie is what it's all about that's the emotional core oh yeah of this, of, and so that's kind of the thing but um you know i i think there's going to be some really really amazing stuff coming out at some point we'll have another golden era yeah i think so too yeah the, i mean the technology is so cheap i just saw god what was it it was like uh, a new digital camera. I think it was a Black Magic. Because remember that Black wow, Magic? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. For, yeah. for, it's like uh, it's a it's one of those ones that looks like a, like a regular camera. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't look like a camcorder. It's like four thousand dollars, and it's yeah. like five K or something. It's like higher wow. than four K or something. Right. It's just amazing. You know, you right. could, and I remember that was the that was the camera chat back in 2012 when you and yeah. I were doing the first Kickstarter for I like to paint monsters. That's what and I wanted like, you to get. This, get this camera's magic. called Black Magic. <laughs> you it's have like, to get it. <laughs> you gotta get it. And I remember looking into it, and I was like. Well, you know, it's around a similar price point to the camera I'm buying, but it would would have it's all it's all raw. So it would have required me like learning this whole right. new process to deal with, you know, changing taking that raw stuff and then actually working with it. Yeah. I had no idea, wow. so I was like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but well, yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's and you know, you can get you can get Adobe Premiere for editing for what mm -hmm. twenty bucks a month. Yeah, right. you know, a, exactly. which is how I got. I have the whole creative suite. For twenty bucks a month or something like that, that's so amazing. cheap. And then it's yeah, but it's like Chris said, you know, the the field is so flooded. I mean, that's really the market, film industry market. Even on, you know, you start looking at HBO, Netflix. You know, you start looking at Showtime. You start looking at all these different places. It's so flooded with with just ultimate garbage. I mean, yeah. really, it's yeah. I'm a, I love media, and I will consume something even if it's just a shade above garbage, just so I can. <laughs> right. I'm just having a hard time consuming anything these days. You know yeah. What I mean? right. Yeah. No, it, it's it's interesting. I don't know exactly, you know, because they are. Um, we're going through a um, kind of a, a shakeout period where new forms of uh, entertainment um, is is going to be coming into play. For instance, the way movies are told, um, I think that this virtual reality type of things where you put on goggles mm -hmm. and you can experience a, um, a full 360 environment, 
um, I perceived, I mean, I really believe that in the coming uh, uh, pretty soon, not too distant future, we're going to see a narrative uh, right. structure laid out like that where you there was I remember there was a uh, when the in video games uh, Resident Evil some of the first ones where they had that what's called free roam mm-hmm. where you're able to go into an environment like you could go into a store and go play a pinball machine over in the corner right. it had nothing to do with the uh, the story yeah. and that's in so I mean that was a long time ago so now they're talking about creating an environment where you can walk into a story that's happening say in a town and you can meet characters, go in any direction you want, meet characters out of order um, yeah. and get some information from them. And you may have to solve a mystery or something like that. And every time you go into that environment, it's a, a, it's like Clue, a different person did the murder. Right. And you got to yeah. figure it out. And I can see people spending, you know, even more time <laughs> in, 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 in a virtual environment that more than in reality. Oh, you know, but also on the same, but by the same token, I would say that, and you know, I foretold this back in 2002 that eventually they would take like haunted houses and the murder mystery dinner thing and choose your own adventure and they would crash it together mm-hmm. because there would be a backlash from this immersion in what is virtual, right? Right. But while there are many people interested in the virtual aspect, similarly, there are a lot of people that are interested more in the actual physical kinesthetic aspect. And now you right. see places like here in Santa Fe, Meow Wolf, that's a fully immersive experience that you go into where you are trying to solve a mystery, but it's physical and you're literally walking and crawling and finding secret hatches and passageways. <laughs> and, you know, and, and now they've got, you know, millions of dollars to open one in Denver. And then you've got these places where they've got like the, you know, you go in and, and they, you have to get escape the room, for instance, you know, yeah, I just they, met a friend of mine who makes it, who, who makes escape all, rooms yeah, at Monster those, Palooza. Well, it's funny it, what, because what, like I what, said, so they have to get in Colorado where it's like you go into a, it's like a set and you go into this room and there you know you have to basically follow the clues to get yourself into the next room and if you uh, don't you know discover physically the things to get yourself into the next room you know eventually you run out of time but the whole idea is that it's very much immersive as opposed to virtual and so I see these two polar opposites of that spectrum you know on either side and I think that there's going to be very much like you said a, a lot of people focusing towards that virtual aspect that they could get from just being here on my computer at my house but also the people that want to go and actually have a real physical experience where they're right. you know this their, their emotional centers are being triggered by actual activities yeah, and but, things that they're feeling, you know. But then you have to leave your house. Fuck <laughs> <Like> that. <laughs> There's a system because, you know, you got a lot of people leave that my like house. to go out and you got a lot of people that don't, you know. I know now, for great. instance, I don't like to go out, but I, how many times have I, I been, been to Meow Wolf? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know? Right. So it's like there are certain things that you're willing to go out for, you right, know? Right. And so, again, I, I agree with you, Daryl, but I think also on the flip side of that coin, there's also going to be further development in that actual hands-on aspect, too, you know, that, that's basically being developed, you know, in uh, in tandem with right. the virtual stuff. Right. No, I think that's a great, I mean, just listening to the idea um, because people, you know, when they do go out, they want to go out and be entertained. And I, you know, it's funny. I've never, not that I have all the great ideas cause I don't, but that's a very interesting concept for people to go out and, uh, actually, you know, be involved physically in, in uh, something like that. That's pretty neat. I mean, if you, if you like to solve puzzles or yeah. if you like to, you know, that, that can be challenging. I mean, you know, they got to be concerned for insurance, but right. <laughs> well, no, I that's what's interesting. I just watched a whole documentary on Netflix all about horror haunted house makers and the real mm-hmm. extreme ones where people want to be like yeah, kidnapped and like, you know, forced Whoa. to basically be almost like tortured where wow. and again, up here in Colorado, they have ones that where it's like the whole idea is literally to like cause a person to be so afraid that they're breaking down. And now I wouldn't want to subject myself to that, but there is a calling for it. There are people out right. there that literally want you to. <laughs> To like put a bag over their head, and roll the truck, bring them into a room and waterboard them for a half an hour. That's entertainment, you know. Yeah. That's entertainment. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I met That's a guy, a, a friend of mine. He's actually the guy who bought the um, the rubberhead painting. Uh, uh, he he was telling me that's what he does now for a living. He builds escape. He pr- does the programming for escape rooms. Like he makes the wow. the computer programs the computer po- components. But anyway, so so. Well, how did I was going to ask you before you? Um, uh, how did um, uh, Monster Palooza go for? I'm sorry, I wasn't oh. able to make it out. Yeah, it was it was really crowded. Um, 
it was it was probably the most crowded one I've seen, you know, and uh right. So uh it was packed, it was great. It was one of the best ones. Yeah, I saw some of the photos. It was really it seemed like a great time. A lot of great stuff been exhibited there, which uh Oh yeah, it was it's always amazing. When's have you been to one yet? I've never been to one. No, oh my god, you gotta you have to go next year. I will. I will definitely next yeah, year. Yeah, it's probably. it's crazy. It's crazy. It's uh, it's really inspiring. There's so much talent there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll make sure I'm not working on anything next year, and I'll definitely uh, come and check it out. Because Daryl, he uh, he showed me uh, uh, a lot of the pictures he took there, and I thought some of the stuff was fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Next year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, glad, I'm glad it was a good uh, a good show for you. Yeah, it was great. It was great. It was really really busy. Um, they have Son of Monster Palooza in six months in Burbank too. Mm-hmm. They do it like every six months. They've, it's like a smaller version, but it's still um, almost as good. So you might want to check that one out. But yeah, I have I have a friend who's been trying to exhibit. Um, he does uh, action figures and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and he yeah he tried. Stuff. Oh yeah, he said he can't even get in. I mean, they're I so I mean they're sold out. You know, years in advance. So yeah, that's pretty. Good. I'm lucky because a friend I, I started showing, I don't know, four or five years ago there. And a friend of mine who had a booth uh, asked if I wanted his booth because he couldn't do it. And that's how I got in. And I've been nice. in ever since. Otherwise, I'd probably still be on the list as well. Wow. So I lucked out. But so anyway, you're you're um, let's talk about your Kickstarter project okay. and, and Twilight Ho- Hotel, because I think this is such a cool idea um, when you came to me to talk about doing a cover. It's just my kind of thing man because right. I, I grew up on i mean the stuff the comics i grew up on are the old uh the pre-code horror comics from like mm. the 50s and stuff and the right. t- tales from the crypts and even right. the you know the 60s and 70s horror comics those were my favorite like i love those as right. much as i loved horror movies you know i agree yeah i i, I used to collect them i uh, mm. i love them william gaines especially the- yep I love them it's so because good. I mean the Twilight Zone, the the show, and uh, the Outer Limits, anything like that. Yeah, kind of these um, anthology um, uh, shorts. Um, but yeah, I I always wanted to do something uh, that was similar. Um, and originally, uh, Twilight Hotel was going to be a my next feature film, and um, you know Daryl and I, my partner Daryl Smith. He, uh, you know, he said, you know, why don't we, you know, make it a comic book? I mean, because because, you know, ultimately this is what we're uh, developing the features feature script on uh, is the old um, tales from the crypt. So why don't we, you know, do that first? And uh, because nowadays it seems like everything that's made theatrically or a TV show uh, exists as a comic book first. Well, and plus it's like a, it's like a guideline for your film. It's almost like exactly. you're storyboarding your whole movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And you can show that. I mean, and then when, you know, like, um, backers always want to know, well, what is it going to be like? And you go here, here's a comic book. Right. Take a yeah, look at it. yeah, exactly. And that is something that, you know, we thought about and, um, you know, the story for Twilight Hotel, I, I really like because I, I was a big fan of The Shining mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, I love the book, uh, the movie. I mean, I'm a big Stanley Kubrick film. He's I mean, fan. He's my uh, probably my favorite director. Yeah. And um, and I like what he did. And it was but it was different than uh, right. the book. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I wanted to, I love the, the part about the hotel, the, its history in the mm-hmm. book, you know, was such a, you know, you, when you, you would understand why the hotel is the way that it is uh, more so in the book than you do in the, uh, the movie. Mm-hmm. All the history there, the violence that took place there, atrocities, and there's something about energy which I really like that concept, but they didn't explore in the movie. Right. And uh, we explored more in, 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 in uh, Twilight Hotel. Twilight Hotel is a, a story about a hundred year old West Florida hotel that um, there has been some amazingly horrible, tragic things that have taken place there over um, uh, even before the hotel was uh, constructed. Um, the place that the uh, comic book, the story takes place in uh, the twilight used to be a um, it was the, the probably um, the most vi- 
violent uh, um, place in North America, literally. The amount of uh, death that was perpetrated there uh, by the, uh, the owners, the Pennyworths, who were uh, planters, um, uh, basically slave owners, mm -hmm. uh, back ever since the, before, the, before the founding of America. And what they did, though, they were also cultists. And uh, they were heavily involved into doing sacrifices um, to an uh, a ancient deity uh, named she, and there's a part um, in the the script where we go into it even more. Is that the name she um, or derives from her? She's the original. Um, um, she was a uh, a queen, uh, a goddess uh, that was promised uh, the land, not just that place, but all of the earth by uh, the, the, her. The devil, basically, mm -hmm. her Pangea, uh, which she, you know, ultimately in the story, she will evolve. Um, our plans are that she evolves way beyond this piece of land and just that whole tale. And she takes different forms at different times. And at this particular time, uh, the form that she takes is the hotel. She oh, is cool. basically bonded with it. That's cool. And the way that it took place is that this um, this Pennyworth family over the years have all had uh, parts of a job that they were supposed to com uh, complete. OK, uh, and, and on, on the land, beneath the land, around where the water table is, there's a line. It's encased in limestone. And all of these sacrifices they were making, they were taking them and tossing them down the well. Okay, so you got years and years and years of sacrifices and energy. Mm. All of these people that were sacrificed were tossed down to this, what they call the blood seal. And that's where all this energy is that she ultimately, when we come into the story with the creation of the hotel uh, in 1922, um, they make a sacrifice uh, at the beginning of the first book, Head of the Tale, which is the origins issue you see that uh, the, the uh, grandson, great-great-grandson uh, Pennyworth is making a sacrifice uh, and he's taking the heart and the heart is removed from a uh, box. It's a mummified heart and the box is covered in hieroglyphics and it's the physical heart of this goddess she. And they bring a female goat, a large female goat that rises upright and walks like a human being is gutted and the heart is placed inside the goat and the goat is tumbled over into the whale. Now that is another level of what this family has been working towards. The great great grandfather who uh, was a random plantation and, and doing all these sacrifices of Seminole Indians and African slaves that was his part to do is to set up this blood seal mm. and the current um, Pennyworth, his job now is to bring about a physical manifestation of she and what his, what he does that uh, sacrificing the goat and uh, making uh, sacrifices in what they call the uh, uh, graveyard of sacrifices. So, you know, he's goes around every now and then and some of the guests, they get knocked in the head and they get <laughs> murdered and they're buried in this graveyard because they have to sacrifice yeah. X amount, of, you know, to create this energy. So it. ultimately she is bonded with the hotel. I mean, within the wood, uh, within everything, a chair. Mm -hmm. And so when we have these stories, she's kind of like a Venus flytrap. She is able to lure people who are, um, you know, dubious character. Right. They come there and um, that's when they're subjected to different things. She influences them, make them make the wrong decisions. And ultimately, her goal is to be able to possess them uh, in, uh, you know, physically to uh, take every aspect of them and uh, bring them into the fold. Um, and that's kind of, you know, the, the, what, the, what the story is. I know I jumped around a lot. No, that's, that's great. Cause I didn't know no, the, that's cohesive. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. Know, I didn't know the full story because I just read the script for the, yeah. the, uh, pushing up daisies. Yeah. Right. Pushing, pushing up yeah, daisies, pushing up the daisies which is, which right. uh, I, I, 
thought was really great. I loved it. I loved it. I loved how when you mentioned, um, uh, when you made a description, I told you this before, of the zombies, you said Romero-style zombies. Oh, if you yeah. don't know it, look it up. That's right. <laughs> no, that's right. Right then I knew this is a project I want to work on. <laughs> but it's a great story. I love the story. It's really cool. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I think that you're, I think your painting, Chet, that you're doing for it. What's interesting is is not only is it an amazing cover for that particular issue, it's issue number four, but also it's just an amazing standalone painting. I mean, now I've you know I've seen both the digital one that we've shown to the backers and things, but I've also seen the progress work that you've been doing in oil. Yeah, it's almost. And done. I mean, I honestly, if I mean now, of course, I don't have you know four grand or whatever just to drop on a painting, but <laughs> that it's it's really an interesting painting in and of itself, and it's not directly bound only to the comic book. So it's like, it's cool because it's a piece that relates to this thing that I, I think this could be a cult classic horror comic book mm -hmm. in the long term. But in the meantime, you can still have this amazing piece of art on your wall that stands on its own, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and it really that's, has its own vibe to it. And really you can read into it in and of itself. Yeah. That's what I was trying to do first and foremost is make a, like just a great painting, like a really good painting that that was my idea. And then it's just a matter of, you know, how do you relate it to the story you know, loosely basing it on the story, but, um, you know, the daisies, the, the little bushel of daisies he's carrying is really the, the crux of the whole thing. I think Make, makes it a little bit different. It's the one thing that makes it really like stand out because it's such a cool totally. juxtaposition. I hate to use that word juxtaposition, oh, no, but, 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 but it's just a zombie carrying a bouquet of daisies. It's really cool. Yeah. No, yeah. Something, something so, um, uh, decaying, right. Uh, and something so innocent yeah. and fresh. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, and I, I, um, I, what, I mean, I, when I first saw the very, um, not your initial sketch, but I think it was the earliest, um, uh, your work study, Mm -hmm. I remember looking at the zombie's head, the lead zombie, the, the, mm -hmm. the, and I remember thinking, boy, this guy head reminds me a lot of what was the character in Day of the Dead, uh, where fly, not fly, yeah, fly boy, no, yeah, not fly boy. Well, he's one of the best zombies ever. I mean, right. come on, <laughs> it's definitely. Oh. I think it was a. I've painted that guy before too. I really? did a painting, a study of him. Uh, just because it's one of my favorite zombies, it's like right. it's the whole bent neck thing, and there you go. It, it was it was there <laughs> was, was a, there was a subconscious influence there for sure. Yeah. Well, and I'm a glutton. I'm a glutton for the eyeball hanging out because oh, yeah, I, I was into like mad. I was so into mad balls as a kid. I thought mad balls were the coolest thing. My garbage pail kids, my mad balls. Because you know I'm younger than you guys. I was I was a child of the '80s, so I was like all about my mad balls. And I had this, you know, I had my mad ball with the eyeball that was hanging right. out and just like, so anytime I see anything with an eyeball hanging out, it just hits me right in the pleasure child center. <laughs> oh, eyeball hanging out. I love that shit. It's yeah, classic. No, I, I wanted to go classic. Cause it's, that's the, oh, the, the story was that, like I said, those are my favorite comics of all time. And the story really yeah. follows that. It feels like that to me. It feels very classic. Well, you, you know, so, looking at it. Tell him, I think you should tell him about the other zombie because I think that's such a cool thing. You, you know, you're oh, Benny yeah. the Bellhop. Oh, right. You should talk because yeah. that's just so cool. And I think also it's consistent throughout all the covers because it's not only is Chet yeah. doing covers. We got Ryan Brown and Adam Brown who are amazing artists doing new right. covers. And again, they include this Benny the Bellhop. So, right. oh yeah, no, I uh, the Benny idea. This um, Benny isn't a part of any of the stories. He's not. In any of the stories, he's not in the feature screenplay. When we uh, were developed, it's just something that just kind of developed as we were working on the first cover. It's like a <laughs> with, with Yeah, right, right, right. With uh, kind of like um, Alfred E. Newman from mm -hmm. Mad Magazine. Or the Crypt Keeper. Or, or there you go. Mm -hmm. There you go, exactly. And we were working with artist Michael Aaron, who did the first one, the first cover. And uh, there was a photograph. Uh, I'm trying to remember the, the cook's name. The chef, uh, um, Gordon Ramsay. Okay. Oh, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> and we were like trying to figure out this cover. And Gordon Ramsay was standing in a hotel room because I think he did a TV show. I don't know. I never saw it. But he's standing in the hallway of a, like a rundown hotel. And we're like, wow, you know, that, that would really be neat to have a um uh, a, a shot because you know we knew you know what the story was obviously but the first one to have it take place in the hallway of the uh the twilight and so we uh so it evolved from like gordon we were like god maybe we should have like a 
crypt keeper type of character. And, you know, so it was really initially based on Gordon Ramsay. So we were going to do like, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I love that. I, I have no idea. So, Joy and I used to watch Gordon Ramsay shows like that. Before he was still right. popular, we'd watch the first right. ones where he'd be like, your like, your restaurant's shit. What the fuck is wrong with you? I love that guy. He's crazy. And so we were going to have like kind of a chef zombie type guy. And we said, nah, there's a bellhop. Yeah, bellhop's so, perfect. Right. And that just kind of uh, it evolved into Benny and just the idea of like what you're saying, Chet, to get a mascot, somebody who would be featured on every cover. And, and it was really cool that everybody, all the artists uh, worked him in differently. And, 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 you know, all the artists, their style is, is different, which mm-hmm. I love. And going forward, what I'd love to do is, you know, bring on different artists and have them do their take work, you know, um, Benny onto their cover uh, in almost like a Where's Waldo fashion, make yeah. him front and center or make him in the back and whatever. Uh, I think that all the artists for this um, first, because, uh, you know, we've been thinking about, OK, you know, the entire hotel is haunted, not just the 13th floor, not just room 1306. And what we said was, okay, going forward, let's, you know, um, uh, bring artists on and let them, I'm sorry, guys, bring artists on and let them do their their take on it. I love what everyone did this time, the way that uh, Chet worked him in, uh, Benny in the background holding just one daisy. Yeah, that was that was your, your great idea. Well, <laughs> that was uh, great. Well, you had it there. I had, him, just I had him creeping amazing. in the background, and then you had That's him right. put the daisy in his hand, a limp daisy in his hand with yeah, a right. sad look in his face. I, I think the personality, what's happening is that because as we, um, I would like to, I would like to say, oh, I had this figured out all along, his personality. But what has happened is that He's got. He's kind of turned into the um, uh, kind of the humor right. of the cover because what we want to do is that what we're going for overall uh, with the comic book is to have um, dark humor, right? And well, so we can represent that. Yeah. That's right in line with all the old classics too. They exactly. always had that black humor, exactly. which is great. Exactly. And each artist, you know, they were able to work that in with Ryan's cover. Where he's the Cupid dar. He's oh, yeah, a, that was so song. good. That thing's amazing. Look on his face, he's looking over at the bugs. That, pain, that painting is so amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, everybody's got their different style, and I love it. I like um, what Adam did mm-hmm. with Benny getting basically tortured, uh, which is it's so horrible. it's so grindhouse. I love it. Yeah. You know, it really plays <laughs> to that audience. Yeah. It's just so grind up. Yeah. So I mean, I just I just love my thing. I love working with different artists. You know, they're all amazingly talented and to have them come in like and to work with chet man again after all these years for me is the the high point of this this project right now is having to work with chet because um you know i you know i you know we're like kindred souls all of us Mm -hmm. you know we love creating we love art and when you get to get around you know people like interacting with mike uh, who I think is just freaking phenomenal. Uh, every chance I get, I'm singing his praise. I'm talking to people. You know, this guy, Mike, he changed my life. You yeah. know, before. <laughs> Mike's he the best. opened my eyes, almost like a spiritual yeah. thing when it comes to what's <laughs> happening. And um, I just did a, a, another podcast with um, these guys, really cool group of guys. Um, and they're in their 20s, I imagine. Um, the um, uh, geeks. From the uh, from the crypt, uh-huh. and uh, I talked to him about Mike. I was like, I always make sure I put a little partner. You know, you guys, if you ever gonna do anything, go talk to Mike. You know, <laughs> he, you know, he'll change your life. Yeah, you know? well, but, yeah. I appreciate that. Oh man, it's, it's very true, and I I appreciate that you share knowledge um, because you know it's like that old saying. You know, you know, you give a man a fish, he can eat dinner, but you teach him to fish, he can eat. You know, the rest of his life. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. You're educating people and you're not just saying, you know, this is the magic trick. And, you know, aren't you impressed? Ta-da! You know, you were actually, (laughs) you know, and I I hear like yesterday, every time I talk with him, I mean, it's like he he opens my eyes to something and I go, oh, is that how that works? Oh, that makes perfect sense. 
So, and you know, it's just really nice. I haven't worked with people in a long time that I just, you know, feel this good about interacting. So yeah, this com- has been a great experience. Com- coming off of the whole Lionsgate thing, I'm sure it's refreshing oh, to man. work with yeah, a bunch right. of people that are not assholes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I truly appreciate that, Daryl, because one of the things that I really Chris, that is important dummy. to me is, oh, I just called you Daryl. <laughs> That's all right. I've been, called, I've been called words. <laughs> you know, you know you know why that is? I'll give you my caveat. Mm-hmm. The reason is because all of your emails that come right. to me say Daryl Smith. And it says Daryl. And it says Daryl. It's Daryl's right. account, yeah, so, too. So it says Daryl Smith. I appreciate you, you mentioning yeah. that, Chris, because the thing is, is that, you know, I could certainly go in and someone could pay me to do all the stuff and not tell them fuck all about it because, oh, it's proprietary knowledge. I'm going to keep that to myself. You know right. what I mean? I could right. do that. But the thing is, that's not what I'm interested in doing. You know what right. I mean? And the thing right. if I was only in it just to get some money, well, there's a lot of ways I could do that. I could do that a lot easier than messing around with all this. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, the right. thing is, is that what I want really is I want to help people to help themselves, especially mm-hmm. creatives. I mean, even mm-hmm. when Chet and I started all this shit years ago, you know, it was like the whole reason was because I saw that he needed to be in front of more eyes. And mm-hmm. so any way I could help or help mm-hmm. him to help himself to do that in ways that he wasn't already doing it, then that's just a win-win because what yeah. he's doing is important for the world. What you're doing right. is important for the world. And right. if I didn't believe that, I, you know, I probably wouldn't give away that information and right. educate, but right. it's fundamentally part of my job is to educate people so that we can all work in yeah. a fashion where we're taking these great ideas to that next level. Yeah. And, I if, agree. and if one of us does well, we're all going to do well because we're yeah. going to work on each other's projects and support right. each other. That's what it's all about is we're kind of building this community, you know? So exactly. Exactly. No, that's very true. And it's like, you know, earlier, I think before we went on, we were talking about Dick Smith mm-hmm. and what was amazing about uh, Mr. Smith is that I would, you know, he would, you know, write uh, a letter and say, you can go over to the city of industry and go to this one place. It was a tire company. And you can buy a quart of this kind of rubber. And I mean, this was before now, I'm sure there's effect shops right. where you can go oh, and yeah, get yeah. You know, dental acrylic or whatever they're using these days. Right, right. But back then there were no shops. There was no internet. They, there was no nothing. <laughs> no internet, right. But he would, t- and so I go out to the city of industry or have my mother take me out yeah, there or something yeah. and um, uh, get a quart, you know, this company sells, you know, like, you know, gallons and gallons and right. and here this kid comes in. Can I have one quart of this? And, <laughs> and we go, what? And so yeah, Dick Smith. Told, oh, because I knew Dick Smith. Right, I right. Like, I was like, but he was he was a scientist too, man. But it's like, like uh, what we're saying about about Mike. You know, you're a teacher, and um, that is, is it's the teachers that allow uh, things to evolve. And uh, things don't evolve unless someone is is teaching a group who then puts us, you know, they may add a spin on it. They may then discover something. Uh, But, yeah, the community concept is amazing that, you know, through being working together, I think that anything can be uh, accomplished. Absolutely. uh, Mm -hmm. If we all work together. So, you know, I appreciate it anytime someone is uh, sharing information with me. So. Yeah. Well, and you know, the thing about that teaching is the bottom line with, with the teaching is, is that again, it benefits everybody. So it's like, only reason I know all that stuff is because I stumbled my way through that quagmire without a teacher and and screwed up a whole bunch and made a bunch of mistakes and made some good decisions, made some lucky decisions, you know, but as I worked my way through that landmine, you know, that field, uh, you know, with all the mines, it's like, oh, okay, well now I kind of get that. So Mm -hmm. it's like, why wouldn't I want to pass that along to somebody right. else so that, in fact, they don't have to make all yeah, of those same some, mistakes? Some people are, you know, proprietary and there's people who are like, I'm not I spent all this hard work. I'm going to save it for myself. I'm not going to give right. it away. And but, you know, that's like is, the, uh, that's that's a total different paradigm, though. I yeah, mean, I, know, talking I know. About is people that are basically like covetous. And it's like we're yeah. anything but covetous because right. ultimately what yeah. we are doing is working for the greater good of the whole. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. You know, whether you're talking dark humor or you're mm-hmm. talking fine art, you're talking comic books or films. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do with our work is communicate a message to the world. And that right there is probably the most fundamentally important aspect of artistic expression that has ever existed time immemorial. Yeah, no, I agree. And but the thing also, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that artists 
artists uh, basically, um, and I don't mean this in a, a bad, run the world. Are they everything you, if you look around, everything that's around us, whether it's a desk, whether it's a towel on the floor, whether it's the clothes we're wearing, an artist created that. Yep. It's like our whole, yeah, our whole reality is artists, um, um, you know, uh, created. And, and they get the least respect. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I really, I, I didn't understand why when I was young, I heard stories about how the uh, church uh, w- went after the um, the builders, you know, went after um, the masons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, somebody said, well, because they knew math. And I was like, what? They were <laughs> yeah. like, right. Because they go, you know, if you, and then I got the whole um, talk about how that all knowledge, uh, all books were controlled by the church and by the super rich. And that the common person didn't have access to any of that. They were kept ignorant. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that the secret to everything is in knowledge. And that's why in the beginning, I mean, the, what I try to do with the Twilight Hotel is that you have your surface stuff, but the subtext of it, at the um, there's a part in the first book where um, the, uh, uh, the narrator um, uh, the uh, the narrator is telling the story about the history of the hotel and the Pennyworths. He goes, he says, the Pennyworths. He he said, throughout history, people have been led to believe that knowledge is the most important thing, but that's not true. It is the understanding of knowledge right. that is the most important thing in the world. By so well put. And so he's telling uh, this story uh, as this sacrifice is going on. And he says the Pennyworths have had a intimate understanding with many things. They understood um, astronomy, astrology, um, uh, you know, and tons of other things that when you look at it, you go, okay, it, the science of it, um, you know, how things work like the seasons mm-hmm. you know the best time to plant crops and things of that nature is super important uh, for the survival of, 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 of a group of people if you have that knowledge and the people who have that knowledge uh, you know even today if you look around the most the wealthiest people deal in knowledge information or instruments that deliver information whether it's a computer the internet uh, and, and so knowledge is still the most, the understanding of knowledge is wisdom. Right. And what Mike has been doing in spreading that knowledge, which, like I said, I appreciate because, you know, and then to understand it, um, you know, the, the things that we as artists can do, understanding that we have that power uh, and not to use it in a bad way, but for the mm-hmm. betterment of, of people is a beautiful thing. And I think that we are going to be moving into a different era mm-hmm. because, you know, what they call post-modernity, because in the beginning, everything an artist did was for the church or for some rich person. Mm-hmm. And then artists start doing things for self. But now I think that we need, and what will happen is the artists will be doing things for the betterment of mankind and the earth. Uh, and, and, and I really yeah. believe that's going to happen. Well, and now with, with crowdfunding, that's a big part of this paradigm shift is that we're going directly to the people, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. Like, all, like us, just people like regular people who aren't rich, and we can all mm-hmm. donate a little bit to make a big project happen. And that's yeah, the that's most, right. that's the that's right. most I Because can't, what you're talking about is art for the people, not art for the power. There you, you go. Know? I mean, really, what, what's Kickstarter? It's art for the people. I mean, yeah. shit, what are you? paintings what are your comic books it's art for the people Absolutely. i agree yeah. you know i just i keep i keep thinking my god because it, it, it's hard to believe that something like this is allowed to exist i know the be. and i keep thinking one day they're gonna try to shut it down i know i know it but seems I, too good to be true right well, the thing is that they already have i mean that's what net neutrality is yeah like. right the repeal right. of net neutrality is very much to shut down the indies there it's very mm. much a part of it but the thing is they can't stop us because as we right. all know you know there are these maxims that are true and cliche time immemorial again and that like 
power is in the people. Well, there's a reason that's cliche and that's because it's true over time, you know, mm -hmm. or, or what you're saying, you know, wisdom is the application of knowledge, mm -hmm. right? Knowledge means fuck all, right? The right, application right. of knowledge is wisdom. So it's right. like, you know, these are all the, these things are cliche for a reason. I mean, the beauty of what you're doing, I think, and, and why I'm excited to be involved, honestly, is because I wasn't a big comic book person, you know, but yet it still speaks to me. So it's right. like whatever you're doing still speaks to people that weren't really into comic books, you know? And so, and I, and also it's like, I go out and I look at like, when I'm, a, I'm in the world, I look at how much things cost. I'm looking at these comic books, mm -hmm. signed comic book by Chet Czar, $8, mm -hmm. signed comic book by Adam Brown, Ryan Brown, Michael Aaron, eight bucks. Mm -hmm. I mean, 40 bucks for the whole series for the yeah. entire four issues in a slipcase. Right. It's right. a ridiculously good deal, and they're producing work here that it, I think is paramount to what's happening with the dark art movement in the world in general, you know? Plus, you get art prints. I mean, that's right. the, you know, you can get the art print off of any cover. You can get an original Chet Czar painting. You get an Adam Brown painting. I mean, it's just, it's really a beautiful and, and amazing Kickstarter. I'm really excited to be behind yeah. it. Oh, I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, that you came on board and that Chet came on board and that, yeah, I mean, um, comic books, most people, they think about comic books and they think it's like a kitty thing, but, um, uh, it's not, I, it's not, <laughs> it's, it's art, not at all. It's because, art yeah. and storytelling. It's great. Exactly. You know? I mean, if you think about like some of the first stories, cave drawings, yeah. you know, that, you know, what some people look at that is like some lower form of art. And it's it's not. I mean, it is like beautiful. I actually, for the first time, got to see uh, what hieroglyphics look like, uh, look like at that time, how clean, how beautiful and amazing. And I go, my God, how did they do this? I know, thousands um, of years ago. It's crazy. Thousands of years ago. And so, um, you know, the, you know, the thing is with with, well, like I said, what I've tried to do in the writing of uh, this series is you have what's on the surface. I mean, there's some gore, uh, there's some funny things, but subtextually uh, I'm trying to address certain issues like um, the, um, uh, the second episode, Bed Bugs, is actually about greed in corporations, subtextually. Uh, and uh, you'll find that there if you look for it, but if you're not looking for it, um, you know, things have a way of, of absorbing into an, a person's psyche mm -hmm. without them even knowing that it's working on them. And the uh, third episode, Truth or Consequences, um, is an episode about a guy who's an identity thief who is at the Twilight Hotel meeting with some underworld figures to sell his merchandise. And in the middle of their meeting, they, you know, they're starting to look at him strangely and he doesn't know what's going on yet until he gets knocked on the head and comes to. And he finds out that they think he's somebody from their past who double-crossed them. So now you have an identity thief who is possibly the victim of mistaken identity. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and, and, and what it's about, that episode is about race relations. Uh, and uh, the uh, 12 Angry Men, if you've ever seen that movie, uh, which mm -hmm. I borrowed heavily from, it's about people's um, uh, prejudice. They don't realize they have. You have these mob type figures that are there. Um, big uh, the the lead guy name is Big Joe, and he's a little guy. And his uh, son Junior, who's a um, uh, you know of this time. You know he's into his uh, uh, cell phone. He knows technology, and so you have a situation where his father is kind of the um, the uh, prosecutor and his son functions as a defense attorney, you know, <laughs> using his technology to say dad, because his dad is like questioning this guy's name and everything. And he goes, dad, you know how many guys name is this? He'll type it in and find out there's over 7,000 people in this area that, you know, so it's, it's really cool. But that one's about race, which is interesting. And the episode that Chet did, Pushing Up Daisies, is about relationships. It's about a woman who is meeting a guy there she's been having a, a internet relationship with for the past year, but they've never gotten together. Uh, so they decided to uh, meet at the twilight, um, you know, for the first time. And um, uh, so she gets there first. And while she's getting ready, going back and forth out of the bathroom and whatnot, there's a, uh, a breaking news story on the news about a serial killer in the area 
And it may have something to do with internet dating, but she misses those reports for the air dryer and everything. So it, 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 but there's subtextual meaning to all of it. And um, I wanted to try to, um, you know, um, you know, really not, not dumb down the, uh, the comic because some people look at comics, like I said, with a preconceived notion that it's kind of childish and whatnot, right. but, yeah, so no, it's, it's it's full of adult themes and t- right. time timely adult, you know, not adult adult, but you know what I'm saying, right, like right, mature right, right. themes for uh, you know intelligent people to consider, you know, stuff that people are thinking about and talking about. So, hopefully, we got to wrap it up because we're over an hour now. So, we urge you to support this Kickstarter because uh, Chris and Daryl are super cool guys. They're they're the good guys, like. Like us, we're all the good guys here in the dark art society and people trying to start this community. So uh, support the good guys and don't support the bad guys who are the big giant conglomerates that are just trying to scam your money. Support the little guys that are trying That's to right. trying to make good against all odds in this world. So we'll have a a, a, a link in the description below this um, podcast. So you can click on the link and maybe donate even any small amount would be great. If, if you can share the project around, that would be great as well because we want to see this happen. I'm excited about doing my first comic book cover ever. I've been waiting for the right one. So we're yeah, stoked about this whole thing. You can the Chet Czar painting. You can. The first comic book cover ever, which is then going to be these comic books that are all over and if it keeps catching up speed, it's just going to be the beginning of a franchise. Yeah, imagine so, if you, you know, get imagine, in on that, get that painting. Imagine if you if you owned the cover of um, Tales from the Crypt number four, right. like cover yeah. art. Imagine if you owned the original cover art. I mean, this could turn into a big thing. I mean, we're hoping for it. it could. So. Definitely. Well, thank you guys. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you guys very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. And thank um, you. Um, uh, yeah, we do enjoy any support. Uh, that people give uh, to the project. Um, so thank you guys for giving us an opportunity to get the message out to a wider audience. So thank you. Yeah, it was great. Absolutely. It was great uh, strolling down memory lane with you. It's really cool <laughs> that we hooked up again after all these years. Oh, so, yeah. So I'm excited about the whole thing. So let's do it. Let's make it happen. Absolutely. And, and also, we do not have any new names to read this week, so we can't screw it up and forget to read our Dark, Dark Art Society member names. Uh, but you can be the next Dark Art Society member, and you can be mentioned on this podcast by supporting us for at least $1 a month and become a member of the Dark Art Society, and that's darkartsociety.com. Or no, excuse me, patreon.com forward slash darkartsociety. And uh, yeah, but support their project before you do anything for us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Chris. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. And we will talk to you all next week. Guys, next right. week. Goodbye. Peace.